Welcome, New Life family. It's good to be with you this morning, wherever you happen to be joining us from. If you uh, happen to be new, visiting, maybe a friend just kind of shared it on their, their feed. Maybe this is your, your first time. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at New Life. And uh, before we jump into the message, just want to remind you of an announcement that we made uh, last week. Um, we're really excited. We're going to be having our, our very first in-person um, gathering in over three months uh, coming up two weeks from today. All right, so two weeks from today, we're going to have an outdoor service at 7 p.m. Um, and so for those of you who have been chomping at the bit to, to regather and, and sing together and just be together as a faith family, um, that, that's coming up. Uh, not, don't have to wait too much longer. Two weeks, again, outdoor service, 7 p.m., starting on June 28th. We're still going still gonna to be live streaming the 10 a.m. service for those of you who can't make it out, those of you who perhaps just aren't ready, or maybe you're kind of in a high-risk category and it wouldn't be safe uh, for you to come out. We don't want you to come out if it's not uh, safe for you. And so we'll have the live stream, 10 a.m., in-person service, uh, outdoors at, at 7 p.m., and that, that's just going to be kind of our, our, our usual, our, our schedule uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, but we're really looking forward to that. Mark your calendars two weeks from today, our first in-person uh, worship gathering, and we're super pumped about that. Now, if you're at home, grab a Bible, turn it on wherever you're at, uh, and head for First Peter uh, chapter 2. We're in a message series called Hope in Exile as we study through this magnificent little letter from the Apostle Peter to a group of suffering Christians in ancient Asia Minor, that's modern-day uh, Turkey. And uh, these guys and gals were, were just suffering tremendously for their faith in, in Jesus. And so the Apostle pa, uh, Peter writes them uh, this incredible little letter. And so far uh, in this letter, Peter has given us this really uh, beautiful, compelling definition of our new identity as followers of Jesus. And so Peter so far has told us that we are, we are elect exiles, we are beloved sojourners, we are a chosen race, we are a royal priesthood, we are a people with a, with a heavenly inheritance, we are a people now in this life with a bulletproof living hope because of what Jesus has done for us. And that is, that is who you are, Christian. Like That is what your actual identity is. And in a world where we're constantly just sort of lied to about who we are or we're sort of judged based on whatever it is, whether it's our, our looks or our financial status or the color of our skin or whatever it is, it has been so refreshing to hear who we are according to God as followers of Jesus Christ. It's been so awesome just to hear how he views us, right? That is, that is our true identity as followers of Jesus. And now what Peter is going to begin to do in his letter, he's going to be, begin to shift from this new identity that we now have because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross to how this new identity that we have should be actually lived out. How do we, how do we flesh this out, Peter? How do, we, how do we live out this new identity in this crazy, mixed up, chaotic world that we're living in? And so he's going to give us several categories over the next few weeks of how we are to take our new identity and begin to flesh it out and live it out in real practical ways and areas of our life. Now this week, Peter's going to drill down into how we should interact as believers with government. Now, uh, many of you probably have liked 
what I've said the last few weeks in this series. It's been, it's been mostly uh, good stuff about our new identity in Jesus. It's been mostly things that we could say, yeah, that's awesome. Give me some more of that. I, I love the fact that Peter's given us this great info. Um, but I'm just going to tell you, some of you may not like what I have to say today. Because here, here's the reality. Um, if there's anything that our kind of independent uh, American spirit hates most, I think it's probably submission in any form. I mean, th- think about it. Every 4th of July, we celebrate our rebellion by shooting off fireworks and blowing stuff up just to remind the rest of the world how rebellious we actually are. And this is just kind of like baked into our DNA. It's a part of our culture. We're Americans, right? We, we do not submit to anybody. And yet what Peter is going to show us this morning is that submission, when done rightly, in the right context, coming from the right motivation, when it's done rightly, it's actually almost unbelievably connected to our freedom. It's connected to our freedom. And so we're going to be talking about government today. We are not going to be talking about politics. So if you're kind of like, ha ha, we're finally going to nail Chris down on this political issue. We're going to send him some emails. Wrong. We're not going to be talking about politics today. We're going to be talking about government. And what Peter is going to be teaching us as followers of Jesus this morning absolutely supersedes any political agenda, any political party. This is about how we, as Christ followers, are to interact with our governing authorities. Now again, some of you may not like what we're about to read and what we're about to talk about. And so just want want to remind you, as I often do, uh, these are not my words. I I did not write 1 Peter, right? These These are the Lord's words through the Apostle Peter as he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, we, we need to hear this. Many of us, myself included, we need a, we need a correction on how we view our Christian life in relation to the governing authorities that God uh, places over us. A lot of us need kind of a corrective. And thank God that he loves us enough that when we go off course, sometimes he, he gives us a corrective to get us back on course. And I think that's what Peter is going to do for us this morning. So First uh, Peter chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 13 through 17. That's going to be our, our kind of chunk of text this morning. This is what Peter says. He says this, again, writing to Christians, writing to churches who are suffering under immense persecution from their very government. This is what he writes to them. Be subject, that word subject means uh, be in submission. It's this idea of willingly placing yourself under someone else's authority. Be subject, Peter says, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but instead living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now, we read a text like that, 
and in our American sort of anti-authority, our kind of get off me culture, you can't tell me what to do, I'm, I'm free, man, I'm gonna express my First Amendment rights, and kind of that attitude that we have, this individualistic culture that we have as Americans, we read that, we read something like that from the apostle uh, Peter so long ago, and it's almost, if we're honest, it's almost repulsive to us, isn't it? I mean, even for me, I, I read that, and, I, and my, my first thought, like my instinct is, I don't want to do that. I don't want to submit to some dumb government who I feel like overtaxes me and, and really doesn't probably have my, my best interest or my family's best interest at heart most of the time. And that, that's how I think when I think about government and I read passages like, that, like this one. I think that's probably how many of us in the church view this. So before we dig into what Peter just said, I think it's important that we, we go back and we lay a, a proper foundation uh, by looking at something that the apostle Paul said, actually, in a letter that he wrote to the Christians in, in Rome. So you don't have to turn there. This is in Romans chapter 13. This will be on, on your screen for you. But I want you to listen to what the apostle Paul says. Very similar language that Paul uses in Romans. Peter uses in 1 Peter. Listen to this. Paul says, let every person be subject. That's the same word, that's the same verbiage that Peter used. Let every person be subject or submissive to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted, in other words, put in place by God himself. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities Resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, I know that some of you are likely thinking, man, well, that probably was really easy for, for Peter to write or for Paul to say way, way back then because and they, they probably didn't have an unjust government like we have, man. Like our, our government now is, is corrupt, and man, they, they tax us too much, and it's, it's too liberal, or it's too conservative, or, or you fill in the blank, whatever your pet peeve or your complaint about the government is right now. Peter, Peter, Peter and Paul probably wouldn't have written these passages if they knew how bad we have it. If that's what you're thinking, you could not be more wrong. Peter is likely writing, Paul is likely writing under the occupying Roman emperor named Nero. And Nero was this bloodthirsty psychopath of an emperor who killed Christians for sport. In fact, most scholars believe that uh, Peter and Paul were both executed. They lost their lives under Nero's reign. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Listen, the New Testament writers, their ruling authorities were a billion times more evil, more unjust, and downright cruel than anything we have ever faced from our government as American Christians. And even under that level of evil, kind of Roman Empire, Paul says something absolutely shocking in Romans 13, maybe something that, that might even bother us a little bit, but look, this is foundational. Like, we have to understand this before we really can do a deep dive into the rest of this discussion. And so this is so important, I'm going to put this on the screen for you. We've got to understand this because it's foundational. Government is God-ordained. Government is God-ordained. Listen, this, this, is, this is his idea. Like, this is not something that we, we like, invented and, and superimposed on God. And he's like, man, I hate that you guys have governments. I wish you just didn't have any laws or any government. This is his idea. 
You can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you had a system of government that included prophets and then judges and then kings. Then you had local authorities and then you had regional authorities. Listen, God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. And Paul is saying, man, every governing authority has been instituted by God. Paul, do you, do, you mean, do you mean governments that I like and agree with? Yes. Paul, do you, do you mean governments that I don't like and governments that, that, that I don't agree with? Again, yes. Now, now listen, again, at this point, I'm sure some of you aren't liking this. As I studied this week, I'm not sure that I really love this idea that, that governments are God-instituted, God-appointed, God-ordained, particularly when I look around the world and I see governments that I feel like are unjust and cruel. But Paul says, listen, God has put them in place. Now listen, that is foundational for the Christian ethic and understanding on government. We gotta understand that. This is, this is God's idea. Now let's go back to verse 13 for just a minute. Verse 13, this will be on the screen for you. says, be subject, talking to these Christians, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, that's really important for us because that cuts right to our hearts. That, cut, that cuts right to motivation, right? We, we submit to our governing authorities because ultimately, by doing that, we are submitting to God himself. And yes, there may come a time and a place as believers, as followers of Christ for civil disobedience. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But what Peter is saying is, as believers, our, our baseline attitude and response as believers to our governing authorities should be one of honor and submission. Not for their sake, but for the Lord's sake. So we submit to them, not, not for Governor Cooper's sake, not for President Trump's sake. We submit to them to honor the Lord for his sake. This is a conversation that I have um, oftentimes, just like on repeat with my kids, especially when they've been disobedient, when they disobey. Oftentimes I'll, I'll sit my kids down and I'll look them in the eye and I'll say, say look, my, my concern, my primary concern right now as, as your father is not so much that you have chosen to disobey me or disobey your mama. Like on a soul level, my primary concern as your dad is that by disobeying us, you have chosen to disobey God. You've chosen to rebel against his authority in your life. And so what we're trying to do, Cheryl and I, is we're trying to teach them at a very young age that in a very real sense, they honor and they submit to God through honor and obedience to the authorities that God places in their lives. And right now, it's their parents, but when they grow up one day, it'll be their bosses or the government or the police officer who pulls them over when they're driving too fast or whatever it is. And that's what Peter is driving at here. He's saying the reality is that, man, we, we honor and we please God through our honor and our submission to earthly authorities that he places into our lives. The good ones and the not so good ones. Now, let me give you, let me give you two primary reasons why we as believers, as followers of Jesus, willingly, gladly submit to earthly governing authorities. Number one, we submit to earthly governing authorities to, number one, please our heavenly king. That is the primary reason that we willingly, gladly submit to the authorities that God places in our life. Again, we're not, we're not doing it for Governor Cooper's sake. We're not doing it for President Trump's sake. We, we do this, according to Peter, for the Lord's sake, 
It's not about anybody else. It's not about the politician. It's not about the person. It's not whether we agree with their policies or disagree with their policies or like their personality or don't like their personality. Peter says we do it for the Lord's sake. We do it for his pleasure and his honor. That's why. That is our foundational motivation for how we view government and how we interact with government. Now, now look at verse 15. Peter continues this line of thought. He says, for this is the will of God. What is he talking about there? What, what is this? What are you just talking about? Christians submitting to governing authorities. He says, this is actually, this is God's will for you. as Christians. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So Peter goes, man, not, not only should you submit to governing authorities to please your, your heavenly king, but you actually should do good. You should actually be a good citizen. What Peter's saying is, listen, pay your taxes. Obey, obey the laws. Don't drive slow in the left lane on the interstate. Can I get an amen? Don't do it. If you may incur God's judgment if you do do it. Use your blinker. Be a good citizen. Why do we do all that stuff, Peter? He says, to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So you got to understand, this, this is what's happening in Peter's day at this time he's writing this. You have to understand, Christianity at this time is a brand new movement. It's a new movement. And so these, these Christians would not, they refused to bow the knee to Caesar, and yet they paid their taxes. They said they belonged to another kingdom and another king, and yet they cared for the poor and the orphan and the widow and the marginalized, not just in their faith family, but in their communities. So people were trying to figure out, like, what, what do we do with these Christians? Like, like who are, should we be concerned about this new movement? Like, who are they? What are they about? Are they, are, they, are they good for society? Are they bad for society? Do we trust them? Are they some new sect that's going to, like, try to overthrow the government and bring in their own king? Like, who are these guys? They're trying to figure out what to do with these Christians. And Peter is saying to these believers, to these suffering Christians, listen, he's saying, give them no reason to malign the gospel. By the way that you interact with government, the way that you speak about, give the, give the world no reason to malign the gospel based on your actions and the way you live your life. So silence your critics by doing good, by being good citizens, by honoring governing authorities, by, by doing good. Um, if you've been around uh, New Life a while, you know that one of the things that we participated in uh, over the years, really up until this year, where we, we couldn't do it for a variety of reasons, is, is something called Serve Asheville. And uh, so about 10 churches in the Asheville area typically have gotten together in the spring and we just basically flood our, our city and, and do good deeds in the name of Jesus. And so when this started probably five or, or seven years ago when, when churches began to call our city officials and say, hey, how can, we, how can we do good to you? How can we love you? How can we serve you? How can we come alongside of you? There was a lot of skepticism like, man, we don't know if we want these churches helping us out. Like, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to like, leave tracks under all the rocks in the park? What, like, what are you guys really up to? It's like, no, man, we just, we, we want to love you in the name of Jesus. We want to we serve you. And so we began to, to serve and, and clean up parks and go to public schools and do free landscaping and paint classrooms and, and do all these things around our city just to do good, like Peter just said, just to do good, to, to love our governing authorities, to, 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 to show who we are in Christ. And we do all these things. And what slowly happened over the years is not only did the governing officials in Asheville begin to trust churches, they actually began to call on us. 
Like when they, when they had needs, they would actually turn to the churches and call on us because they had seen our good deeds. They began to trust us. That's what Peter is saying here. That's one reason why we partner with public schools. Uh, we have a partnership right down the road with Woodfin Elementary. And uh, man, we have teams all the time that are there doing uh, landscaping for free. We feed the teachers uh, whenever they start class back. We buy stuff for students uh, that they don't have in their, in their budget. Recently, we had a group bring uh, lunch to the Woodfin Police Department. Man, why, some, some might look at that and say, man, why, why are you guys spending hundreds of man hours and thousands and thousands of dollars on stuff that will never directly benefit your church at all? Like, why, why would you do that? Why would you spend all of that time and all of that money doing stuff that never actually benefits your faith community? And this is why. This is the second reason we submit to earthly governing authorities as followers of Jesus. Remember, the first reason is to please our heavenly king because he asked us to. So that, that's, that's primary. We do it to please our heavenly king. But the second reason we submit to kind of the earthly governing authorities is, is because we want to proclaim Jesus to the people of this world by being good citizens. It's really simple. We want to proclaim Jesus to the people of this world who are watching our lives by being good and honorable citizens that do good deeds in our neighborhoods and in our cities and in our country and even going out to the nation. So, man, why do we as followers of Jesus submit to the government? That's it, to please our king, to proclaim Jesus by being good citizens. That's why we do it. And then Peter continues in verse 16, watch this. He says, live as people who are free. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So he's connecting freedom with, with being a servant. Your freedom, we are free, but you're also now, you're free to be a servant. Peter's saying, listen, Christian, you are absolutely free. You do actually belong to another kingdom, the kingdom of God. Your highest allegiance now is to King Jesus, not Nero, not Caesar, not anybody else. You are free from all of that. But you've got to understand that your freedom was purchased with a very specific purpose in mind. He goes on to say, in verse 16, you are now free to be servants of God. And as servants of God, you are now free to submit to the authorities that God has placed in your lives. And Peter is doing something that is a kind, of, kind of mind-blowing here. Peter is connecting our freedom to right submission. He's connecting, and again, that doesn't make sense, right? He's connecting our freedom to submission. And that seems counterintuitive to us because, again, we, we tend to equate that word submission with, like, oppression, we hear the word submit and we, we automatically get these really negative emotions inside of us. Like we just want to rebel when we hear that word because we equate it to oppression or slavery or whatever. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. God's kingdom, there's actually this divine connection between submission and freedom. Now the best way that I know how to personally describe this is, um, man, when, when I was a young man, I, I had this thought in my mind that, that true freedom was being able to do whatever I wanted, however I wanted to do it, whenever I wanted to do it. And so, and so I did that. I did that in my teen years, did it all the way through my early 20s. And so what I did in my life was that basically I just I chased pleasure. My, my, my number one goal in life was the pursuit of, of pleasure. And, and I thought that I would find freedom there. 
Man, when, I, when I'm not under anybody's rule, when I, I'm, I don't have my parents tell me what to do or when to be home, I'm gonna find freedom there. But what I found as I chased that life was actually slavery. Actually, I found, I found misery. I found, I found the opposite of freedom. And, and the irony is that it was only when I finally submitted my life to King Jesus, right? And I, and I raised the white flag of surrender in my life to Jesus. It's only when I did that that I began to actually walk in and experience what I would describe as true freedom. This is why the kingdom of Jesus is often referred to as the upside down kingdom, right? Because in his kingdom, you lead by serving. You, 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 you become first by going last. You find life by dying to yourself, right? You, you find freedom in submission. It's the upside down kingdom. It's the opposite of everything our world tells us. And so Peter is saying, yes, Christian, you are free, but you are free to live in a very particular way with this freedom that Jesus has purchased for you. So as followers of Jesus, we choose to express this freedom through rightful submission. That's what Peter is saying here. Now again, lest you be tempted to think that submission, that glad submission is something that is only for the weak, or only something for the timid or powerless. Listen, consider, I want you to just for a moment consider the nature of God himself, right? So think, think about the nature of God, the Godhead, the, what we often call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? All, all God, all, all equal in essence and importance, and yet we see, if you read the, the gospel accounts, we see the Son willingly submit to the Father's will over and over again throughout the Gospels. Not only do we see the Son in glad submission to the Father, we then see in the book of Acts, Jesus, the Son, sending the Holy Spirit. So now the Spirit is in glad submission to the Son. Like God himself models submission for us within himself. Because it's actually a part of his nature and his character and his DNA. So as Christians, we can no longer look at submission as something to, to cast off or to, to hate or to fight against, but rather something to embrace as God himself has embraced and actually modeled it for us. So here, here's the next truth that I want you to see. I'll put this one, this one on the screen for you as well. We, we've got to understand this before we can go any further. There is freedom. Peter is saying there is freedom in right submission. And again, this, this, this runs counterculture to everything our world tells us. But Peter is saying there's actually freedom in right submission. Now, I, I can imagine that Peter probably is trying to preemptively diffuse the thought that some Christians who received this letter from Peter as they're reading it, they, they, they might have been kind of thinking, okay, Peter, well, uh, we hear you, man. We're, we're citizens of another kingdom. We belong to another world. This is not our home. We are chosen people. We are a holy priesthood. We are just sojourners passing through this land. I am set free in Christ. And so Rome, Nero, Caesar, none of that has any hold on me. So man, I'm, I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't need to obey these stupid earthly laws. I, I belong to another kingdom. And Peter's like, no, 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 you need to, you need to listen, you need to, you need to pump the brakes on that. Christian, Peter's saying, Christians ought to be the very best citizens. We, we ought to do the most good in our neighborhoods, in our cities. Why? 
because we are proclaiming Jesus to the people of this world by the way that we live our lives and how we interact with the authorities that God places in our lives. It's by our good deeds, by our glad submission to God-instituted governments and authorities that the world sees that we are different, that we've been set apart, that we've been called, that we're walking a different path, that we've been transformed. Now, you may, you may be thinking, well, Chris, that sounds great when I agree with the government. That sounds great when the government is doing everything that I want them to do and they're acting the way that I want them to act and they're talking the way I want them to talk. But what about, Chris, what about unjust governments? You got anything to say about that? Well, listen, that, that's a fantastic question. That's a fair question. How, how do we interact with governments that, for instance, demand that we, we break God's laws? Are we, are we also to submit to them? Are you, are you saying, Chris, that we must never, ever disobey government for any reason? And no, that is, that is not what I'm saying. That is not what Peter is saying here. In fact, Peter himself in Acts chapter four, he's out with uh, John. And uh, man, they're, they're, they're preaching and literally thousands of people are, are believing their message about this resurrected Jesus. They're, they're believing. There are some people that are even being healed. And so the, the governing authorities come in and they, they drag them in and they say, listen, you gotta stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You, you guys are creating all kinds of problems for us and civil unrest and you, you gotta stop preaching about Jesus. And I love Peter's response. This, this, this will be on the screen for you. Acts 4, this is his response. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Later, the very next chapter, Acts chapter 5, the apostles are actually imprisoned, right? So they keep on preaching Jesus. This time they arrest them. They throw them in prison. An angel busts them out in the middle of the night. And the very next morning, they're out in the temple courtyards preaching about Jesus again. And so the rulers come, and the, the rulers bring them back in. They're like, what are you guys doing? We already told you, you got to stop preaching about this Jesus guy. We even threw you in prison. Like, how, how did you even get out? Never mind, we, we don't want to know. Just stop preaching about Jesus. And I want you to see their response in Acts chapter 5. This is what it says. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. And so clearly, Peter doesn't believe that there's no place for respectful civil disobedience when man's law comes in conflict with God's law. His point is simply that we don't use our freedom for a cover for evil. Listen, we're not, we're not anarchists. As Christians, like we, we don't bust up downtown and create autonomous zones and, and kick out the police and burn stuff down. We're not anarchists, we're not tax evaders. Like as followers of Jesus, that's not who we are. That's not our identity. That's not our calling. Our baseline attitude and interaction with our governing authorities should be one of honor and submission unless we would have to disobey God in order to obey them. Now fortunately, in our, our time, in our context as, as Americans, those two things, God's law and man's law, have rarely been at odds. It's happened on things like slavery, in our past, but those two things have rarely historically been at odds. Now listen, that, that may be changing in the coming years. It could be that in our lifetime, as, as Christianity continues to kind of be pushed to the margins of our society, there may come a time where we as Christians have to respectfully, with honor, 
say to our governing authorities what Peter said all those years ago, and that is we must obey God rather than man. There may come a time in our lifetime where we, we get fined or even impre- imprisoned for teaching and preaching the whole counsel of God's word. And if that day comes, we, we suffer willingly for the sake of Jesus. If that day comes. But outside of that, we, we honor, we serve, we live in glad submission to the authorities that God places in our lives. Again, for two primary reasons that the Apostle Peter gives us here. To please our heavenly king because he's asked us to do this and also to proclaim Jesus to the watching world by the way that we live as being good citizens. So, what does that look like, Peter? How do we, how do, we do this practically? What should this look like for the Christian living a, a life out in society? Well, Peter sums it up beautifully for us in verse 17. He says this. Peter says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So Peter says, guys, look, this is, this is really simple. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. Like every single person that you meet is worthy of dignity and honor respect and kindness. By the way, this includes people that you disagree with. Christian, this includes people that you disagree with on political issues. This includes loving people and honoring people that you might disagree with on whether or not you should wear a mask or not wear a mask during a global pandemic. This includes the the dude that cut you off in traffic and you're tempted to show him where God lives with one finger as he cut you off and Peter's saying, no, 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 Christian. No, your, your role in this society is to, to honor everyone. You're to honor everyone because everyone is created in the very image of God. Every person on this planet is an image bearer of God himself and so you honor them, Christian. You be kind to them. The second practical way we are to live this out, Peter says, is, is to love the brotherhood. So honor everyone, but you are to love the brotherhood. And what Peter is saying is inside the, the family of God, there should just be this level of just ferocious love and unity and care for one another. Yes, honor the, honor the unbeliever, but you are to love each other inside the church family like a family because you actually are a family. You're the family of God. So you've got to begin to love each other like you're actually brothers and sisters. You guys are a family. You've got to learn how to love each other well in the context of this faith family. Because listen, guys, here's the deal. If we can't love each other well inside the family of God, how in the world are we going to go outside of here and engage the world and love the world in any kind of compelling way if we can't even get it right here? Church, it's, 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 gotta, it's gotta start right here. It's gotta start with us, within the family of God, within the context of the body of Christ. And then Peter kind of closes it out by, by saying, fear God and honor the emperor. Those two things are, are kind of connected. So Peter's saying, yes, honor the emperor the same way that you honor everybody else. So show them respect. Listen, don't, as Christians, don't use derogatory names for politicians that you disagree with. Don't post mocking memes on social media. Peter says, honor the emperor. Honor your leaders. 
but fear only God. In other words, only God has the chief place of honor and love and allegiance in your life. So, so honor the emperor, but fear God. So Peter's saying, honor the emperor, but you fear only God. You love him, you serve him, you give your life away only to him. That's what Peter's saying. I wanna close with what I think is probably one of the greatest political statements of all, of all time. And this sums up the entire conversation between Christians and government. Matthew chapter 22, these Pharisees are, are trying to trap Jesus. And so they come up to him and they ask him this question. They say, Jesus, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And what the Pharisees are thinking is, man, we, we're gonna trap him either way. Because <laughs> if he says, yeah, you gotta pay your taxes, then the Jews are gonna be like, man, he's not on our side, he's on Rome's side. So man, if he says, yes, you gotta pay your taxes, he's gonna lose all of his followers. But if he says no, then Rome all of a sudden is gonna view him as a threat and they're gonna come and crush him. Either way, whatever way Jesus answers, we've got him, man, he's, he's toast. So Jesus, obviously he knows what, what's going on. He like calls him a name. I think he calls him a hypocrite or something like that. But he goes, he goes hey, show me a coin. Pull, pull out, somebody show me a coin. So they pull out a coin, they take it to him, and Jesus says, whose image is on the coin? All right, and again, Jesus gives, I think, the best political or governmental statement in history. This is Matthew 22, be on the screen for you. They said, Caesar's, Caesar's image. And then he, Jesus said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. Jesus goes, listen, Caesar's image is on the coin. So pay your taxes. Be good citizens. Don't drive slowly in the left lane, but give to God all that actually belongs to God. In other words, pay your taxes to Caesar, but you owe, Christian, you owe your entire life to God. So honor government, but you worship only God. Respect government, but you fear only God. This is a, this is a brilliant response from Jesus. And this is our guide to how we live and how we view earthly kingdoms and governments with honor and respect, but always in light of a greater kingdom and a greater king to whom we owe our entire lives because he has purchased us with a high price. Now, let me finish just by saying, if you're tuned in, you're watching this right now, and you're a follower of Jesus, you'd say, yes, I'm in, I'm a part of the family, I believe I've given my life to Jesus. I, want you to just, I just want you to know, your posture towards government reveals a lot about how clearly you actually view the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I gotta be honest with you, I, I was convicted as I studied this week. I needed a correction in, in my heart, in my spirit, about how I, I view government and speak about government and how I honor government. And so Christian, let, let me just say, man, if your posture towards government just tends to be one of anger, and disgust, and frustration, man, and you're just constantly getting on social media and spewing angry junk about how jacked up our government is, or you're sending mocking memes about this politician or that politician that you don't like or you don't agree with. Man, I just want you to know, Jesus has freed us from all of that junk. He's freed us from all of that junk. So I just want you to know, like, if that's your posture, just anger and frustration, and just, you're just raging against everything, I just want you to know that, listen, that is not a compelling witness to a watching world. That is not a compelling witness. 
to a watching world about the transformative power of Jesus in our hearts and our lives. Listen, everybody in the world right now is angry and frustrated. So no, no, nobody's gonna look at you as a Christian out there just railing on government or railing on a politician. Nobody's gonna look at that and go, man, I, I just, I gotta have whatever they have. Man, I just, whatever you got is so different and so attractive. Like, I just, whatever you got, I want it. Tell me more about Jesus. I wanna be an angry, frustrated, miserable person just like you are. Tell me more about your God. That never happens. So what Peter's doing is Peter's telling us there's a better way, Christian. There's a better way. Like Jesus has freed us from all of that junk out there. We belong to another king and another kingdom. So we are now freed up to honor everyone, including our governing authorities, so that we would both please our heavenly king, we'd also proclaim him to the people of this world by being good citizens in the way that we live our lives. Christians, let's be subject for the Lord's sake. Not for their sake, not, not, not for a governor's sake, not for a president's sake. Let's be subject for the Lord's sake because the world is watching. Let's show them a better way because Jesus is that better way. Now, listen, in closing, if you're, if you're watching this and you're, you're not a Christian, you're not, not a follower of Jesus, um, but this is, this is kind of compelling to you. Like, like this idea of living a countercultural lifestyle, this is, this is prompting something inside of you and you're, you're curious or you're being drawn to it. If that's you, let me just encourage you, reach out and let us know. If you've got questions, if you want to talk with somebody, if you want to pray with somebody, reach out. Let one of our chat hosts know. You can email us at info at nlcca.org. Let us know. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to invite you into this journey as we learn to walk a better way and a better kingdom as we serve a better king. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Father, would you, would you help us honor you with our obedience, God? We don't think about that oftentimes, God, but, but help us honor you, serve you, please you, worship you as we obey, are subject to, submit to the authorities that you place in our lives, God. Would you teach us, Father, that right submission is it's not an evil thing, it's not a dirty word, that right submission is actually connected to our very freedom as Christians. So God, would you teach us to to honor everyone. Teach us to honor our government and our political leaders. But even more than that, God, would you, would you teach us to really love the brotherhood and the sisterhood, the people of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ? God, give us a, just a fierceness in how we love each other and how unified we are. And God, finally, teach us to fear and worship only you. You alone, God, are worthy of our lives and our praise because you have set us free. Those of us who were once slaves are now free men, free women because of what you've done on the cross for us, God. So as we live our lives as glad citizens, as people marked by good deeds in our neighborhoods, in our cities, God, would you help people see a better way, your way, through us? As they watch our lives and how we interact with people and the good works that we do and our attitudes and the way that we respond to government, even when we disagree with them, that they would see our actions and our reactions and that they would be pointed to your grace and your love by the way that we live our lives. And it's for your fame and your glory 
We ask all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.